Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, the place where the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. meet. What's going on, family? Uh, we are in the last episode of season seven. So just interesting. And, you know, really, I mean, I just I guess I'm proud of us that for seven seasons we've been going strong. Um, you know, really trying to bring together all the things we care about, all the things happening in our society and talk about it on each week. You know, I don't know anyone who has a podcast or anybody who's written a book or anybody who works on projects knows that sitting still focusing on um, your podcast or, or focusing on any type of project, like I said, it's a lot of work, especially with us, the way that we travel and having to be in hotels and the corner of the car and the lobby of the place and just trying to make sure that we pump out this content 
and get you all information every week is it's a it is a task that we're up for, but nonetheless, it is a true task. And so for seven seasons, we've been going strong, working alongside our family at Catscape Production, uh, Janice and Anastasia and Cat Trig herself, and then of course our team at um, Bond Bond Brand Management, Latoya and Leticia. Just so many people that it takes to pull this show together. And I was talking to another friend of ours, uh, Monique Presley, who has her own show. And she was saying, and it's on her show, it's on Instagram. It's not even like a show that has to go through a distribution network. Like she's producing a show on Instagram. But she was talking about the editors and the people that she works closely with. And it is truly a lot of work. So for seven seasons, Many of y'all have been with us from the beginning. I know my sister, Sharon Mallory, watches every single episode. She's the critique lady, the cheerleader. She likes the content. She gets a lot of information and also shares a lot of stuff with us. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been sticking with us, the new, the old, the in-between, people who have sent us messages with all types of love. And of course, all the guests throughout the year. You know, I, at one point, one of the reasons why I was concerned, the years. right, I was concerned and I was um, I was apprehensive because I know how difficult it is to track down celebrities and trying to get them booked to do your show. And if your show numbers are not like, you know, whatever, you don't have the numbers of the breakfast club. It's not easy to get certain types of guests to see the, I mean, yeah, certain types of guests, certain types of personalities and influencers to see the, um, the, the, the value in going to your show versus going to someone else's show. But what I appreciate is that between you, my son, and of course, our whole team at Black Effect Network, of course, you know, um, Charlemagne being, um, you know, the key leader there. And of course, Dolly, a bunch of folks. But everybody said, stick exactly where you are. Provide information. Don't worry about trying to get celebrities. Just make people will follow if you lead, if you give them the content. And you've been saying that since the beginning. And once I sort of got that monkey off my back of worrying about who was going to be the guest and who we are going to have on every week, um, and I just started to focus on the people who are our friends who do good work. It seems like from there, we've been, you know, really gelling and doing a good job. Yeah, man, I told you, you build it and they'll come, man. So, like, shout out to everybody who's been with us. It's been a long journey. You know, we're just getting better and better. We're learning more. Like you said, we want to be more content-based instead of, you know, um, guest-based. But we do want guests who have who can... <laughs> Contributed something to the culture, contribute something to the conversations and the dialogues that we have, because we know that, you know, our perspectives are more, you know, we, we, we come from a different lenses. Like I come from a different lens than you. And sometimes we need people that come from different lens than us and have more expertise and understanding on different topics. You know, so it's this this is like you said, it's been a journey, but it's been a good journey. I enjoy giving the content. I enjoy getting feedback. I enjoy our dialogues. I enjoy just educating because a lot of times we come because we have to do this sh this show. We educate ourselves on things that we probably normally would just see, but we know that we have to provide. You know, we have to provide content for our listeners and our and our fans and the people who support us. So we delve into these different topics and we listen 
and we hear different and we get perspectives that we probably normally wouldn't have got if we weren't doing this show. So this this show has definitely been a blessing for me. I'm looking forward to where it can go. I know we have big ideas that we want to do moving forward. A lot of, you know, rearranging and adding and, and just building it up because we understand how important it is. You know, like, especially in these times that we are, we understand how important media, media is. You know, mm-hmm. we've watched people control media, us being, you know, doing this work, being in, in the civil rights space and being in the social justice space, we understand how media works. And we've been victims of media. We've watched people paint pictures of us that we. you have me looking at, I, the media has had me looking at the screen like, who are they talking about? That ain't Patricia's son they talking about. You know what I'm saying? So we understand that. We want to, we want to bring some level of integrity, especially for our audience and people in our communities who normally wouldn't go to, to CNN or, or all all of these spaces and they don't and they don't care too much about the people on the, the um, blog site. So we want to be the conduit between all of those things. We want to take information from you know the the, the mainstream news. We want to take information from the blog sites that we know is pertinent that our people need to know and be able to convey mm-hmm. messages and give them information that is needed to them. So you know I look forward to this journey. I appreciate you listening to me because I had to fight you to do this podcast but you know you came along and, and here I we are did, I did I came along and I'm glad you, you said blog sites because we definitely need to make a distinction in what is media right so maybe some you can call some stuff news you could call some things um you know information but media is very different from blog sites uh, and we just need to also just people need to remember that. And sometimes you could get the real story from the blog site versus going to the news. Sometimes it's vice versa. But it's always better to check the resources of people who are actually engaged in a situation. So same thing with Jada Pinkett. You know, you look at both the news and the blog sites and all the things that they were saying. And then I started to get into the book and really listen to interviews. And I'm like, wow. They're like none of what is being said here in terms of this negative PR that was surrounding her, which we've talked about a million times, was accurate. And now I'm starting to see that. And this is why I love Jada so much, because I was speaking to her frequently leading up to um, the event that she she came to that we produced in Atlanta. And, you know, she was not even talking about she was like focused on her tour focused on getting the things that she needs to do. And of course, taking care of her family. She's always dealing with the kids, dealing with something that's going on and doing her business. And she was not like, oh my God, what did they say? What do you think? And blah, blah, blah. It was me more than anything online, fighting people, posting stuff, because that's what you need your friends to do, to show up for you. So you can stay focused on what you have going on. But now that the tour is happening, more and more people are starting. I'm seeing it posted in her stories. I'm seeing other people writing it. I'm seeing people in my comments being like, yo, I've read the book or I'm into, you know, I went to an event. I heard her speak firsthand or I read the book. And what folks is talking about, it's just not what it is. It's just not there. And so I realized, and, you know, and I think that was her position is that they've been through so many rounds of this where either being misunderstood, just being a black woman in general, being a black family, um, being a family that has been sort of open in terms of, you know, information that they give out to the world. 
they they know that it's going to be attacked. People are going to say things. You got to stay focused. And that's the thing is staying focused despite all the noise that's going on around us. And that's not really easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not really easy. It's sometimes not. it's not really easy. I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes it's hard for me to be like, stay focused. But anyway, speaking of staying focused, um, the attack on Gaza and uh, the attack on the Palestinian people um, is, is still happening. You know, I was thinking as I was working on what we would talk about today, I was thinking that some of my Jewish brothers and sisters, especially the ones that are not actively engaged in the social justice movement, right? Because not all of anybody, it's not all black people, not all Jewish people, not all white people, not all brown people. Some people is just your friend because you just met them in passing on the road. You know, you met them at an event. You may have met them. And, you know, I'm not, I am not only in movement spaces. There's other things I do. I meet people from the strip club to the freaking corporate offices, right? So you can meet all different types of people. And I've also met some Jewish people who I consider to be friends that are not in the movement every day, marching, protesting or whatever. They still, they do fundamentally believe in the values because otherwise we wouldn't be friends at all. But in this last few weeks, they certainly have been very, very conflicted and angry and frustrated and, and concerned and all the things which they should be after an attack happened on their people. And so they have every right to feel that way. And I have sent condolences, had conversations. I've had some tough conversations. Um, and I and I can feel where some people while they don't want to see other people die either, they do feel a strong sense of a need for retribu retribution. And I think that's like normal, right? Like it's, it's normal that if you're in a family and one of your kids is killed, you might not want to see another child killed, but there is something inside of you that kind of says, if something happens to either the killer or some, their friend or family member or something, there's something deep inside of you that has a sense of an urge for retribution. You have to silence that. Like it's where your morality speaks up. It's where, because you, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, although I, I did go to court for the men who killed my son's father, you know, against them um, and wanted to see them held accountable. And over time I stopped investing myself in that. We used to write letters to try to make sure they didn't get out. You know, my son was doing that when he was young. But then I was no longer invested in that the more that I've engaged in this work, because I understand the circumstances of everything at play are larger than a prison cell or a prison building can contain, hold and or heal. It can't. It's just it's, it's so much bigger than that, you know. And so I had to let go of it. But there is a sense inside of me that went in that courtroom and also had conversations with other family members on the street where it feels like retribution is necessary. But then your humanity and your morality and all of that kicks in. And when it kicks in, you have to say to yourself a few questions, I think. And, you know, of course, you can say how you feel. I think first question is, how do we get here? You have to ask that. Like, you got to start with, was my child, if we talked about just Jen, Ray Ray and, and them in our community, not, we're not talking about Palestine for now or Israel. We're talking about just us. 
if my child is out terrorizing communities, doing wrong, or my brother, my sister, whomever, terrorizing people, selling drugs or scamming, robbing, killing, shooting, doing whatever to traumatize communities and other people. That's the foundation of how we got here. Now, I could go through, well, his father's dead or his aunt did this or he was molested or I could go through or, you know, we was poor, whatever. All those things true. But I still need to go at least to a foundational point and figure out what about my child has been a part of the center of this issue. Foundational, right? So that's the first question. I think the next question we have to ask is, who is the leader that is now dealing with the retribution, right? Is the, is the retribution being left to individuals who truly have the best concern for me, for my family, or the or the accountability? Who's accountability being left in the hands of? That's the question. Oh, that's a good question, Tamika. Who's accountability being left in the hands of? Is it the person, is it a person who cares about both? Is it a person who is fair and going to be equitable in how they choose to deal with it? Or is it a person that could care less about my child or the other child or the other family or the other side or, you know, however we want to set it up, right? So you got to ask that. And then the third thing is, what is a reasonable response? And of course, a, a, an addendum to that is, when is enough enough? I think those are fair things. What you think? I think I think they're all all fair things. You know, but but what I want what I want to say for me, right, is when we look at when we look at this situation in totality, you know, you made a speech, right, and, and you said something, and and it, and it resonates right now. And when you said we learn violence from you, right, and if you want us to do better, then you got to do better. And and in the work that I do. With boycott black murder and raising kings and and stopping violence and violence interrupting in these communities is what we tell these kids that retribution is not the answer right mm -hmm. we tell these kids that we're gonna give we're gonna give ray ray and jojo 100 years if he shoot the boy who shot his brother mm -hmm. right he gonna get 100 years they're gonna call him a thug they're gonna call him the worst person in the world so for you to expect me to do this work as a man and, and go into these communities and talk to these kids and stop them from shooting up and, and, and retaliating against people that shot them and people who done that. And then America is saying that, you know what, we're going to fund someone to not only just shoot the people who shot them, but shoot anybody around them, um. but this kids, grandmothers, dogs, or anything, it's, 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 not, it's not realistic. Not balanced. Right? It's not balanced. It doesn't even make sense. Are you, I, I can't even have that conversation if I don't tell you that you are wrong. Right. If, we, if we're not calling out our own government that tells us that, you know, that violence in the communities is wrong. And they talk about how all of the shit that's going on. They point to Chicago and they say it's a big problem. But we're willing to give billions and millions of dollars to other countries to fund their violence. Right. Not to, not even a fund because they say that you have a you have the right to defend yourself. Right. Defense. What is what do they call defense? Right. What, what do we call a defense? And we call a defense that if you shoot me. And I get away. I, I'm I I have the the right to go and shoot and kill your whole family and the family of the family and the people that live next door, right? It's it's what what are we actually saying? You know. So I think for me, it's 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 a morality thing. It's an understanding. Even if even if we're not even talking about the whole 
the whole um, conflict and where it started and where, even if we, if we, if we just ignore those things, if we, if, if we not, if we just, we just um, novice to this situation, we come seeing dead babies every day, right? Seeing schools bombed, seeing hospitals bombed, my morality kicks in, right? My morality kicks in and says to me, it's just not right. And I wouldn't want that. Even if if somebody, if I, if one, my, one of my brothers died, I will not want to see the family and the whole family of the person who killed my brother die. I wouldn't mm. want to see the kids' babies die because I don't hold, I do not hold those kids responsible for that, right? So we have to, we have to speak realistically. We got to have real conversations, you know. And 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 I don't understand how, like, I understand how. You know, I understand the retribution, and and even I understand that. I understand the human nature of retribution. I understand the human nature of self defense. I under the eye for an eye, two for a tooth. I understand, but you can't have an eye for two bodies, right? You can't have an eye for a whole family, right? Because it's supposed to be an eye for us. So when we when we when we really sitting down, the morality of any person of with humanitarian causes and understanding should look and say. Certain shit just ain't okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And and me, my my morality just won't. It, it just won't allow me to do that. It wouldn't allow me to do it for my own, you know. So I so I have to I have to tell people you have to look deep. You got to look deep into yourself. If you look at a situation that as was going on in Gaza, and you and you find that the the thousands of babies that are dying are justified, right? That you find that blowing up schools and blowing up hospitals and 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 pretty and much camps and refugee camps. If, if if you if you think that it is justified because of what happened on October seventh, which was a horrible situation, and right and, and and there should be people held accountable for that. But you if you think a whole race and a whole nation of people should be held accountable and wiped out for that situation, then that's something that you have to deal with personally. And I think the world is speaking up. I think when you have 300,000 people go to Washington, D.C., of all nationalities, Jewish, Black, White, Asian, every nationality. I watched the old lady on the Internet yesterday who said that she was she 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 had a sign and she said, I'm a Jewish woman. And in fact, she said anti-Semitic to me is the fact that you will believe that all Jewish people, or even most Jewish people, support killing innocent Palestinian babies. That's anti-Semitic to her. She said, and I will not stop. I will not take my sign off. I will not support Israel. I will not right. allow you to do this in the name of us. So I think it's more it's a morality thing. It's not because when we when we look at Black Lives Matter and we looked at George Floyd in the street, there was you you probably would find one person that was black that probably like, you know, they shouldn't be out there doing that. And it might have been Candace Owens. Candace Owens and Kanye might have been the only people that said some dumb shit. But for the most part, the rest of the world was like, nah, that shit ain't okay. That's 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 against us. That's and and, and, then, and so what I'm trying to say is we we understand the morality of something that when we look at it, the totality in totality, it's a moral issue. And even though it might have been a black person that died. But the whole world looked and said, no, this shit is not okay. And it was, and most black people, 99% of black people said it wasn't okay. So when you look and see that even the Jewish people were split, and I think more, more, there probably are more, I'm, I, I can't actually say, but I think there are more Jewish people that say, nah, we understand and we, we, we definitely want Hamas to, 
you know, to be caught and, and, and deal with the consequences of what they did. But we're not okay with watching innocent babies. Well, when you say more, what we would say is more than before. Like maybe not in terms of the full community. We, we, we can't determine the numbers of whether it's more Jewish people. But we know it's more people in the street today that are Jewish who are standing up for Palestinian rights and to, just for peace and to stop the attack there are more people than it has been in the past. And so certainly, absolutely, hands down, unequivocally, we, um, you know, we know there must be a ceasefire. That's the basic. Ceasefire is the basic thing that this administration could call for. At this time, um, America is completely out of its mind to, 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 to stand by. And I never thought about what you said, that, we live in a country that if a police officer wrongfully, and everybody knows it, kills an innocent person, that the this country tells us the answer is go to court, go through a process, even 9-11, while they, and they have admitted 9-11 um, because of the, you know, the, the, the response to 9-11, America has admitted that they made mistakes. They went too far in some places. They did things that were not um, were not right from a humanitarian perspective, right? They make they admitted that because it's been on the news. They've been talking about it, but nonetheless, they will tell us when we are killed and innocent people die, and people see a George Floyd and all of that, which is traumatizing. They say there's a process, there has to be accountability, there's all this and that. And a lot of times, that most times, that process doesn't work for us. They never say that Black people have the right to defend itself or ourselves. Or they never say that. That's never, they that's never. never say that. But yet we are funding another country, another nation or whatever they're called, another because... Another state, another state, there you go, another state, murdering people in the name of it having the right to defend itself when it America has never held Israel accountable for the atrocities that happened before October 7th. So it's hypocritical. So that's why I say to my Jewish brothers and sisters, because they write me, some of them come into my comments, my DMs, and they say, why? aren't people saying enough or standing up for us as well. And I feel like the way that if I, and I said this to one of my sisters who I love dearly, dearly, she's a friend, a sister to me. And I said to her, this is something that you have to turn around and go back to looking at this government that is governing Israel because they are not helping your cause. They are not helping your cause. In fact, what they are doing is hardening people. And President Obama talked about that in the letter that he wrote, that people globally will be hardened against Israel for the actions that they are taking if it is not managed properly. Because that is what you see. You see people who are saying, hold up. I, I know October 7th was horrific. I know October 7th was terrible and it shouldn't have happened. I know that. But I need to go to October 
first of 2010 and 2011 and two, let's go to the October 7th of the past. Where was America at the table holding Israel accountable for its atrocities against the Palestinian people? And when you don't have that, when you don't have a balance of that, and, and my friend, the same woman I'm talking about, she said to me, but I was out there. I, I've stood against is, um, you know, Israel for the occupation in Palestine and all of that. I've stood against that. You are one person. And it is great that you've done that. You are seen as an ally, I'm sure, to the Palestinian community and even to us as Black people because this is a woman who's in both, in all the spaces. But the problem is that there is not enough of the uprising of the people, an uprising of the people. In fact, even people who are in the streets today have decided that they are willing to go balls to the walls. And I don't know if I'm supposed to say that but on here, but they're willing to go hard lose their jobs. People are losing ACLU. The ACLU currently has a legal strategy to address people who are losing their jobs and people who are, um, you know, being, uh, um, uh, what's the word, when you are being reprimanded at schools and in other spaces because they choose to stand for Palestine. So what has happened in the past is that the world should have stood up when, when the people of Israel voted against Netanyahu and, and he still somehow found himself back in a position of power. The people should have rose up in the same numbers that we are seeing around the world today. And the people, the, the, the members of the Jewish community should have led that fight to remove him from office if it had, even if it had to be forcefully. And the reason, but the reason why people didn't do it is because to criticize the state of Israel means that you will be labeled anti-Semitic. And being labeled anti-Semitic is not something that most people are willing to do. They are not willing to allow themselves to be labeled in that way because they see what that means for you economically. They see what it means for you educationally, for your family. People can't get insurance for their households. People can't go and speak in, in, in schools and whatever else just because they have been labeled. And if you're talking about the state of Israel, they are being labeled that wrongfully. And so, therefore, there wasn't enough movement to address Netanyahu and to get that administration out of power. And as a result of that, you have something like October 7th happen and, and maybe other incidents. That doesn't mean it's justifiable. It means that there is a reason why this is happening. And what we need to do is the same way people are standing up for Palestine. Everybody, including the, the freaking federal government of the United States of America, needs to be saying Netanyahu and his regime, they got to go. They have to go. And we need somebody in position there in Israel who sees the Palestinian people and understands that they have a right to thrive. They have a right to their freedom. They have a right to take their proper position in their communities. I mean, this is so this is not a complex conversation. I'm with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Ta-Nehisi Coates said I went there thinking it was going to be complicated. And when I and I and I, it wasn't complicated at all. So that's what I have to say on that. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught— a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And since we're talking about what the United States government should do, we should go on to our next topic, which is David Axelrod. Now, by the way, I have some issues with David Axelrod, especially during the BLM protest of 2020. Axelrod said some really, really uh, 
uh, not so cool, dangerous and disrespectful things about the protests, about the protesters. He's never given me the impression that he cares even the least bit about uh, what is happening with people who are abused and uh, with people who are brutalized by the state of America, <laughs> the United States of America, right? I, he's never given me that impression, but he's in the game of politics. So this is not even about whether or not he cares about our issues. This is this is our global position. And of course, as a, a, as a nation. And he said that uh, Joe Biden needs to... Um, find somebody else to run, let somebody else run for president and he should step aside. And so the reason why Axelrod is important is because he has been seen as a kingmaker. Now it's important to note though, that I've read several times that he didn't think Obama should run either. So, you know, there's that, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, so that doesn't mean he's always right. Um, but nonetheless, he is a kingmaker. And I think that Axelrod, he's not all, I don't, I mean, I'm sure he's a consultant and he's doing a lot of things, but I don't see him actively at the forefront of the, you know, political dynamics in America. It's not, and I'm sure he's in the background, I'm just saying, I don't see him all the time, but I'm sure from the background, he's reading the tea leaves, right? He's reading the room and he sees what's happening. And I don't think that this all started, my son, with, uh, this attack against the Palestinian people or the attack against um, the Jewish people. I don't think that's where this started. I think people were reading this prior to October 2023. And they already knew there was a problem. And now this attack and what we're seeing and the lack of a call for a ceasefire has just exacerbated what we already knew, which was that Joe Biden was already on thin ice. And now he's on, I don't even know, the ice is like almost melted. Yeah, he's, he's, he's riding on water at this point. And, and I think for me, you know, it's important to note, just for me, you know, when, um, when the election came for Joe Biden, I was never a Joe Biden fan, right? I just, I just didn't believe that Trump had any presidential bone in his body. I thought the way that he was running the White House was like a mobster. And I said to myself, this shit is like, this is crazy. You know, and I said to myself, even though I'm not a Joe Biden fan, I believe that there are enough people in his cabinet and surrounding him and he has influence. Like sometimes when you're not that good at something and you hire good people. And I felt that Joe Biden had hired people who were way smarter than him that I knew personally that were way smarter than him, that were in positions that were, were going to do things for, you know, our communities and for this country that was beneficial. And and and, and to this point, I actually, I, I would believe that that has happened in some, in some mm. regards, but there are a lot of different places within his government that he has situated. Judges, 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 judges is judges. a big, judges is one big. It's very, it's a very big situation. And that's why we able to get, some level of justice for Breonna Taylor at this point as we, you know, are headed out to this trial in a minute. But so there are things they've done. And I, I well, just, actually, no, because she, the judge in this case, is a Trump appointee. Well, I'm not but, talking the judge, the judge in this. OK, but I'm talking about in the district Department of Justice. That's true. That's true. Right? That, that, the, they're not judges. I'm just trying to make sure we they're not judges. But it is true that the appointment of 
the Civil Rights Division um, uh, Assistant Attorney General being Kristen Clark is exactly why many of the cases and other things that we see happening are happening in the federal government. Exactly. So, and when we look at those situations, they're very, they are very important to what we're doing. And, and, and we look into certain things in the communities. You know, I've seen how um, this administration has embraced, you know, violence interrupters and, and, and trying to fund, you know, the work in our communities to stop that from happening. So there are a lot of things that I've seen that are positive. You know, but I, once again, you know, when you look at Joe Biden's age, you look at you look at his history that a lot of people will never overlook. You know, they'll never look past the crime bill. They'll never look past the fact that he's 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 up in age. And, and it's just certain things that that plague him. Right. So I, I never was really a big Joe Biden fan, but I understood we had to do. But I always knew that even when we got Joe Biden in office, that the day after he got in office, we as a people, as a collective, were supposed to be building up and building up the next candidate and building up the, the qualifications and the things we needed that we wanted to see from the government in totality. Because I, I never felt that either one of these administrations were, were even possible. You know, even though, like, I, once again, I will say that Joe Biden has done a lot and the people don't want to give him credit for it. But I knew that it was going to be hard for him to win again. But I will say, when this situation happened and the way that he's, He's pretty much cowtailed, and I would say coward. You know, Nen 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 Yahoo Nen Yahoo is pretty much punking Joe Biden. You mm -hmm. know, he's taking his money and telling him, "You shut up! I'm gonna do what I want to do, and y'all mind your business. I'm just give me the money and get out the way." And it, it doesn't show leadership. It doesn't show strength when your whole country is saying that they're against something, and you still doing it. And you, and not only are you doing it in agreeing, you you even saying, "Well, maybe you're right." And the person is telling you, fuck you. That's not presidential. To that's me. a fact. That's not. Pre I, and, and I will. And, I, and I'm not even going to say that, but I, but I would say something else. But anyway, it's not presidential to me. And I think that when people look and see leadership is not actually leading, they don't have any level of power. They don't have a backbone. Then, you know, it's hard for people to vote for that. And I know I, I, and I've been very vocal in saying that there's a, there's a snowball's chance in hell of me, per se, voting for Joe Biden. Snowball. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is not going. It's just not going to happen because you don't represent. You don't represent the moral fiber of what it is that I represent as a man. You know, and 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 and, and, and unless something changes drastically over the next year, it's just not going to happen for me. And I think there's a lot of people who made that decision. You know, and like you said, unless something happens, we have we still have a year to go. But See, unless yeah. it happens, this right here, watching babies die and watching you fund it, watching you constantly stand down on it and, and just double down on the fact that we support them and they have the right to defend themselves. We stand with this. We'll continue and we won't say what they can do and we're not going to tell them what to do and then you try to ask them to do something. They're telling you shut the fuck up. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not presidential for me. I I can't I can't of sound mind and of good moral compass be able to say that I support somebody like that. Absolutely. I agree with you a thousand percent that there are going to be a lot of people who feel that way. Me personally, I haven't made a determination or a decision on what I will do yet. Um, I know that I'm not mad at one person who says that they will not vote for Joe Biden. I, I see people writing no ceasefire, no vote. I can tell you that emotionally, that definitely resonates with how I feel. Um, to hear the president saying 
that, you know, to see that they are trying to get a hundred plus billion dollars to Israel and Ukraine and then have said, which is the most hypocritical shit, hypocritical shit ever, because they're getting a billion dollars to Israel and Ukraine for opposite reasons. Ukraine, they claim they're supporting them because Russia is trying to take their land, but then they're going to support Israel in taking the Palestinian land. It just doesn't make sense. It's like, y'all think we stupid. Like we can't read and pay attention and understand history and facts, but whatever. Cool. Ultimately, just say it's our, it's, it's the American interest. You're doing whatever interests you, but not what is actually morally correct. So put that to the side. Um, and so I feel it. I feel it. But I'm also much my understanding of what will happen to black people under a Trump presidency and looking at the candidates that they have lined up on the Republican side and knowing the type of work that I would have to do, <laughs> the type of work that we all, not just you and me, but we will have to do the fights that we will be up against when Trump becomes president. You know, oh, yeah, you will be working when Trump becomes president and they decide to lock up more young black men. When they decide that they are going to arrest protesters and organizers, because if you remember, it was under William Barr, who was the uh, attorney general. He was Trump's attorney general that named many of us black identity extremists, which meant that he put us in a terrorist category for the fact that we would dare to protest against police brutality. It was under the Trump presidency that they undid all of the consent decrees that the Obama administration put forward to try to work on police issues in different cities around the country. It was under the Trump presidency that the Supreme Court became a conservative court that has now been doing things like taking women's rights away, uh, the, the right to choose in terms of abortion, looking at what we found out, which we didn't even know was there until we started to do more research that they won't, they don't, they're making it harder for somebody to even say that their lawyer was um, ineffective counsel on their cases. They don't even yeah, want to hear it. those type of, of cases. So if we go down the list of the things that happened under the Trump presidency, and by the way, attacks by white supremacists became more um, acceptable and actually praised because the president stood before the nation, Donald Trump, and said, you know, rough them up to the police. He said, he talked about Kaepernick and, and like Kaepernick was a dog. He talked about other black um athletes who dared to stand up to this government and said things that were that's unthinkable about them right he put basically our lives in danger and so we know what the trump presidency looked like and if he is to become president again they are going to go from the window to the wall they're going to be worse than they were before because now one it would be it, it basically would be a time when he's gotten even hard even more hardened and if he wins it will be after 
after he has been through so much with the courts and everything with them trying to hold him accountable. He his the war and the wrath of how he will enter his presidency is something that we probably have not seen in, in maybe ever, but certainly not since the time when we were actually enslaved. And so I understand that. And I'm not going to sit here no matter what, no matter. And I, I and trust me, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm disgusted. The idea that I would ever have to go and vote for Joe Biden again makes me want to throw up. And by the way, I felt that way before he became president. So that's that's that. But it, I feel even worse. But I'm very clear that we don't necessarily know what it is that we're asking for. I, I know that I didn't go to campaign for and to get. Uh, Biden elected just because I, you know, I, by the way, all of that bullshit, oh, you work for the Democrats, Democrats don't give me shit. They never had. If you, and by the way, our records, people, it's open to the public, right? So if Democrats were somehow paying me or people, and, and, and not to mention, most of the people that I work closely with that have actual money, that they are invested in me in that type of way, most of them have more conservative views than you think. Uh, many of them I've never really asked. But if I started asking, they might have actually voted for Trump, to be clear. But we don't talk about it because they also support the fact that black people should not be killed and indiscriminately treated in this nation. So that's kind of where our threshold ends, because you don't want to get too far into the politics. I used to live in the house with a man who said to me many times, I want to see prisons look like shitholes where it's disgusting, where it's rats in the bed, it's, it's everything terrible. So people don't want to go there. Right. And I had to fight and argue with him many times about people who are wrongfully convicted and, you know, have those conversations in the many ways I was able to move him on some of those issues. But I'm just saying that a lot of people who have a lot of resources and money, they're not always so um, liberal in their ideas. So let's just be clear. But the Democratic Party does not give me shit. In fact, most times I'm not invited. They don't really like me. I'm too radical. I, I've been on Palestine. We, you and I, have been on Palestine before um, Donald Trump, I mean, excuse me, before Joe Biden even became president. And not only that, the fact that I was unwilling to denounce Minister Farrakhan and, and it even use any type of language that was forced upon me or what they were trying to force upon me to speak about him, that in and of itself created a label for me and put me in jeopardy and took away my resources and ruined relationships that I had. So I, I've never been a darling of the Democratic Party. Maybe I kind of was back when Obama was president because we had a really good relationship with the administration. But that's not that has not been the case for many years. In fact, many of them, including Valerie Jarrett, spoke out against me from national platforms because of what was happening with us in the Women's March and, and, and all the dynamics there. So with that being said, I, I'm not I, I'm not standing in this position because I win or gain anything. I'm standing in this position because I understand what it looks like for my son and my granddaughter if we are in a situation where Donald Trump becomes president. And that's so I don't know yet. I don't know. I do think, though, I'm with Axelrod, somebody who I don't agree with on issues of our lives. But I'm with Axelrod that they need a different candidate to run for president. I don't know if that's realistic, but I believe that. I just I just I, and I hear everything you're saying. I just I think for me. You know, I've, I've been 
I've, I've survived so many different presidents and the shit never really changed for me. When I even when I don't care what's going on, when I really start thinking about it, the 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 conditions of our communities don't really change. They haven't really changed much. If I go to Pookie right now and said Joe Biden's been in the office and they look at me and be like, I don't know what the fuck Joe Biden. They actually think it's been better when Trump was there. So when we having real conversations to me, at this point, it's a moral thing for me. It's a moral issue for me. If I can't look at you as a man, if I don't believe that you even represent the country as a man that I would as a man, even even you don't even have the backbone to say some shit is wrong as a man and you let another person run his country the way he wants to. 10 toes down to say, fuck what you think. I'm my people and me, us over here is doing this and we don't give a fuck what you do. Just give us your money. I can't see, I, I can't see me ever voting for that. I just can't see me ever making a decision again to saying, you know what? Is it lesser to you? No, the shit is just all fucked up. And until I start seeing candidates that I, that I can put my, because, you know, I went through, I went through a bunch of shit for telling people not to vote for Trump and I don't really give a fuck. And I went through it. But when, I, when, when shit like this morally comes down and I got to look at my kids and see damn kids are, are dying and, and the, the man to sit there and perpetuate and continue to support that and stand up every day and say he's going to stand next to that. It's like, nah, that shit ain't for me. So we all we all have our own battles. We all have our own, you know, our own um, lines that we draw in the sand. And what we all stand for is different. And, and, you know, I don't I just don't see where at this point. You know, where me and a, a Joe Biden administration have an understanding because I understand that if, if you can be pushed to do this, right, if what we do, what we're doing as a country at this point, right, is when, when you have all of the country say, yo, this shit is a humanitarian crisis. This shit is against humanitarian. This is these are these are war crimes. And the whole world is saying that. And you standing with one person that I know that I know is an evil individual, the man is evil, like everything about him, you stand next to that, I know that the world is looking at us. I know that the world, I know that we might be the next target. I know that people look at leadership. Being When you have a leadership, understand what leadership is, from what, what whatever level it is, you understand that once people start, start diminishing your leadership and they don't see you strong, they get rid of you. Right? And that's what, we, we, we've dominated as Americans, we have dominated this world and countries have feared us for so long. But when you start seeing weak weak leadership and you start and you start seeing other countries in line and they like them, first of all, the, the leadership, but now these people are not even morally sound. And then you start mm -hmm. hearing the, the the country inside say that they're not even with you, then the foundation of what it is that we're supposed to represent is gone. So if we we put that type of individual back into office, the fuck World War Three, and we're gonna be the main target. Right, because every no other nation is with us. That's what the problem is. We we with the nigga who is the worst person in the world, and every other nation of good moral standards are saying we can't stand by that. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes when you get so closed in something that you don't see from outside. But I understand, like they said before, the the battle the same way that those people countries and they battlefields look. That's how America's gonna look. It ain't they not going to no motherfucking desert land and shooting. No, they bombing the main towns. Our kids are gonna be dying the same way other people kids die. It is it, no longer that shit we talking about. So for me, it's way bigger than a, a couple of laws that somebody might make that we gotta pay a couple of dollars. No, it's understanding that America is is being looked at as tyrants 
and we got a president standing next to somebody that is doing that's not doing God's work at all. That is completely complicit in doing evil. And I don't want to be I don't want to be a part of that. What I have said to a number of my friends who have contacted me, I said it on Roland Martin show the other day. It's not me or those of us who are angry. Right. Um, and those of us who are frustrated and those of us who are in many ways saying I cannot, I will not support this president uh, and vice president as they stand by um, and, 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 and support an atrocity and a human rights violation and war crimes. Don't talk to us, talk to them. Go talk to President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and let them know that you are losing people that you need and organizers. Because one thing I will tell you is that average, just not average, they're not average, they're much above average. Everyday citizens, everyday people who got 50 million things going on in their life, less of them are engaged to the point where in a year they're still going to re be reminded of this and make a decision based upon if they have if we had to vote if this election day that is tomorrow um november 7th uh that we're sitting in front of here in kentucky if it was if if tomorrow you were voting for the president of the united states i i don't think joe biden will win because many people are paying attention but one year away the, the everyday citizen, especially after they've heard Trump speak or whomever becomes the Republican candidate, especially after the churches and others are saying, hey, we got to go with the Democrat and all of that. I don't know that they will vote against Joe Biden or that they will. And many of them may stay home, but I don't know that they'll vote against Joe Biden. The, the group of us who are righteously indignant those who are angry those who are frustrated that pool is much smaller than we think much smaller right even though it's millions but it's still not everybody right and the organizers within that group who actually get out the vote is smaller but that's their problem their problem is that there are a number of people who organize the vote with or without the support of the Democratic Party. They don't have to be aligned in any way, but they do it because of the interests of their community. And those are the people who are very aware and who are very angry and who are very much saying, I refuse to vote for Joe Biden. And I also will not go out and campaign for the Democratic ticket at the top. But there are, of course, a bunch of elections, statewide elections that will also be on the ballot in 2024 that we will have to focus on. So with that being said, you know, I think that, um, you know, in a, in a, in, in, in a place like Kentucky, uh, or not so much in a place like Kentucky, just in general, overall, you will have some issues, but I'm not sure that it will be to the degree that he won't win. I don't know. I, I do not know. I know you cannot win um, Detroit or Michigan, excuse me, you cannot win Michigan. And I believe Minnesota is similar without the Muslim vote. And one thing about it is they're not going to forget it. They are not. They're not like black people. They are not going to forget at all about what happened here. So with the, problem, these, the problem is what you're not what you're not understanding is this. The Muslim vote is just not Arabs, right? Muslim oh. has a big population. Like if you look at Philadelphia, most of the black people in Philadelphia is Muslim. 
So that's what I need you to understand. So when you say the Muslim vote, there are there are certain state states within United States that have area. that, and it's not just Arab Muslims. They, they they have big Muslim populations. Like a lot yeah, of my but, Muslim, my black Muslim friends are hitting me every day. Like they hit me every day, and they they so against this this administration that it's a lot. It's a lot but let me just on. say, let me just say, because we need to be very clear. So when we're educating our audience, we all learn at the same time. Number one, there's only a few battleground states in New Jersey and New York ain't two of them. So it really doesn't matter who we vote for, because our vote doesn't 100 percent count towards the who wins the presidency. We might be the popular vote, but the battleground states are certain places like, again, Michigan, which you have to be able to win. And the majority of the Muslim population are Arab in those particular places, right? When you start talking about Black people who are Muslims, some of them don't vote at all anyway, right? Especially in the Nation of Islam and other places like that, Voting for presidents and all that is something that, not to say they're against it because many of them do, but there are many who don't, they abstain and they deal with local elections and local politics in their community. So we already, that is already sort of accounted for. But specifically in Michigan, a place like Michigan, the Arab com uh, Muslim community is necessary in order to move the vote in those places. If you think about somewhere like Georgia, where Stacey Abrams lost. When you look at the numbers, the Arab Muslim community was low on the list and they were also low on the campaign's priority. And so it, could, it, it would show you where if they would have picked up a bit in that community, they would have been able to possibly win the election. So I'm saying that certain places, that community cannot be discounted. And then in other battleground states like South Carolina, you're going to have a lot of black people who are not Muslim, whatever, whatever. They're just Christian black folks or unidentified religiously black folks who go to venues and deal with spaces where they will be listening to or learning more about the Republican Party's policies, and they're not going to want a Donald Trump presidency. That is not a thing that is going to change. A lot of those people are not going to want a Donald Trump presidency. So with that being said, it remains to be seen. I'm not arguing because I understand exactly where you are. I saw what Philip Agnew wrote. I see Tiffany Lofton. I see Sean King. And I respect 100% that sentiment that is out there. I respect it. All I'm suggesting, though, I'm just suggesting that it's, it's going to be much more than just some people are upset about this thing and it's going to be a whole picture. And there are going to be people who look at police brutality and say, we ain't really moved the damn bit at all. And then those people will fall off. Probably. Right. But when you have a Donald Trump saying the police is doing a great job and he's like Daniel Cameron saying, I'm going to give them more power, more money, more whatever. Then you got some people saying, well, eh, I don't know. So we'll see how it all works out in the end. But I have not made, I'm just saying I reserve the right to make my decision. But I also am going to, I'm very invested in, I hear people saying it's no way that there can be another candidate. I don't know about that. And I want the smart people who are smarter than me and who are more politically engaged and more politically astute to help us figure out, is it possible to get somebody else to run? Because I'm sick and tired of, this administration completely sick of it throw it away i don't want it but i also haven't made a final decision about where i stand
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught— A history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. For My Heart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. 
It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But We Loved is a new podcast about queer history coming May 15th. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, your host. Growing up, I thought being gay was the worst thing I could ever be. The gay history I learned was tragic. Jerry had died of AIDS, and it's like, what is happening? It was survival. That's why it's called survival sex. But as I interviewed queer elders, I realized there was another history that I had never been taught, a history of courage and perseverance. I wanted to take control of my story and not be ashamed of it. And it was a history full of love. The joy we found in saying husband again and again and again was incredible. And while learning this new queer history from my elders, I realized they had so much wisdom to pass down. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. From iHeart Podcasts, I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and this is But We Loved. Listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's how we own it! Now, let me just go to my thought of the day real quick because we got to hurry up and get to court. You know, 
the FBI calls me again yesterday, more death threats, especially with this trial going on and then the election happening. So it's so much going on. And of course, they're targeting a black woman, which is me. And they want me dead because I have the audacity to stand up on my two feet, straight my back and keep on showing up in Kentucky. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, even with all of that, the negative attention that comes our way from people who we work with that don't like us to people who we don't like that, who don't work with that don't like us to Tamika's to this, Tamika's to that, Tamika looks like this, Tamika looks like this, Tamika ain't this, Tamika's not smart enough, she's not this, she ain't got that, da, 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 why she got this, blah, blah, blah. Then all the way to the fact that people actually threaten my life on a regular basis with the, these things still I rise. And I'm just trying to figure out for other people that don't have to go through hardly any of that. You're not in the public eye. You, you know, you, you don't you don't have death threats coming at you. You're not facing any particular um, scrutiny. Maybe it's that you just don't want it. Like you don't want to put yourself in that position. Like what makes us what makes people so adverse to actually taking a stand? I'm not even talking about Israel Palestine. That's too high of a of a of a of a of you gotta go too high to deal with that because you can really get yourself in the crossfire with that. But I'm saying in your local community, I'm just talking about on your block. Being like, you know what, these kids is out here killing each other or we don't have a good grocery store that will feed these people fresh produce and whatnot. I live here, I'm going to do something. I'm going to show up at a community meeting or I'm going to go to a precinct council meeting or I'm going to maybe run for office. So I'm going to do a food pantry. What the hell? Like you don't even have the level of scrutiny that I deal with every day and yet you want to do nothing. But then... But you will sit around on internet and on the internet and and critique what somebody else is doing. I just find that to be so cowardly. You know, I, I just I do. I, and I know people will say, well, everybody's not like you. And that's fine. I'm not asking you to be like me. But what is like you? That's a question is what is like you forget about being like me. What is like you? If you don't see the need to say something in your own community about issues that impact you, but you got the nerve to come to my page or to tell me somewhere that I really don't like the way you move. Well, you move. It's it's very it's very it's very crazy. And and you know what's crazy? Cause that kind of goes into what my I don't get it was. And it's pretty much is we pretty much acted the same shit and saying the same thing back and forth. Because when we look at so many, it's so many issues that go on. I don't give a fuck what I put up. People say we got bigger fish to fry. It's, it's bigger things to find. You should why black people don't need to be focusing on that. Black people don't need to focus on that. Black people need to focus on everything. And I don't understand why people don't realize that. I don't understand how somebody could look and say, okay, the shit that's going on in, in Gaza, like this shit is this like we were looking at another, these are brown people, these are people that, you know, these are oppressed people. Like why we we should I can understand that shit. Like What's to stop some somebody from here if we, if we just quiet about that? What, what's to stop from, you know, one day Israel and then Yahoo say, fuck, you know, we, we tired of Joe Biden. We tired of America. We we not allies with them no more. We're going to join. We're going to be allies with somebody else. And you know what? The first people we're going to go over there to make sure, because we know the, the, the black people is going to, we going to get rid of them. We're going to get rid of the black people because those are the people that we know going to fight. They've been oppressed. We got to make sure that they don't do shit, right? Because that those are the talk. And what's to stop that from happening? 
right? So I don't understand why people don't see that shit as a real possibility of what's going on here, right? If well, they're going to say you're trying to scare people. I'm not trying. I'm just... It's not about la, scaring. La, la. I'm just saying, it's, the thing for me is that why do we put past shit in our communities like it ain't happened? We've been enslaved before. They've done, they've oppressed us before, right? So why do you think that it's above happening again? Why do you think of other European nations, if they decide to do some shit, don't realize that the biggest threat to their, their regime would be black people? Because we the people that say, fuck, you white people been doing this shit to us for years and we ain't going to stand for it. Why wouldn't you understand that you would neutralize the biggest threat to anything? This They do that inside this country right now. They give us a bunch of bullshit. They put all the drugs, the guns, and everything in our community to keep us neutralized. They keep us in prison. They make sure that we don't have opportunities. All of the shit, we still impress. We living in a fucking damn near open-air prison inside the projects because they, they surround us with fucking nothing but police act all within, they let us kill each other within the projects, and then they send you to jail or they put you in the morgue. So when we keep saying that that's not our issue and this ain't our issue, I don't understand why we don't realize that every fucking issue that has to do with anybody that's oppressed is a black person's issue. I don't understand where we get that from. The shit that's going on in Sudan, the shit that's going on in the Congo, all of that shit is coincide with the shit that's going on in Palestine. So we shouldn't say, yo, you, you, we need to speak about that and not that. No, we need to speak about all that shit is one because now you got allies, right? You don't, you don't, you don't separate your issues that are the same shit from this for other people who are dealing with the, the issues that you're dealing with. You you combine those shit. You bring them shit as one. You say, look, we ain't dealing with all, all of us oppressed people would say, fuck that. We ain't with it. And we're not going to let y'all keep oppressing us. Now, nah, you want to separate now. Nah, let them people do that. The Joe, such and such in the store, you know, he Palestinian. I don't like the way he talked to me. So fuck all of them. And you know, I, and this person. They don't got, even know if they're Palestinian. That's a lie. They don't even oh, know that. They don't even know that. They don't give a fuck about me. You know, I ain't fighting for the I, They don't care about us. They just, oh, yeah, we, we all this. Just the same way that we experience racism, they experience racism. We disrespect and not the only that, Black people. Because when we was thrown off of that plane in uh, American Airlines flight, it was a black woman that started that. It was a black woman and her nasty ass attitude that started that situation. So let's just be clear that I've been in stores and other places where black people don't treat me right. I've been in clubs where black men who are supposed to be doing security are more physical and nasty and threatening towards black women than a lot of environments. So don't tell me that I get it, I get it. Other communities absolutely treat black people like we're at the bottom, right? And they don't have no respect for us. But a lot of that has to do with white supremacy because what white supremacy teaches is that black is the is the least. And so everybody piles on us. And I know that, I agree, I'm not disagreeing. But I know <laughs> one thing, I don't even, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the, and we closing the show on this note. And you could, of course, if you have something else to say, but this is it. I'm like the people that don't see color, right? You know how people be like, I don't see color. And then we know that that's in and of itself um, a racist statement when white people say, I don't see color. Because if you don't see color, then you don't see me. But I bet you, you see color when you see that white privilege that you get. But nonetheless, I don't see color. I don't see race. Well, guess what? That's how I feel about kids. I don't see color when I see kids. If I see kids being blown to bits anywhere in this world, I don't see color, I see kids. So I don't think it's right if it happens to uh, Jewish kids. I don't think it's right if it happens to black kids, Latino kids, 
And I don't think it's right when it happens to Palestinian children. And guess what? At this point, I feel that 5,000 Palestinian children, as of the point that we are taping this podcast, is, is out of touch, overboard. It's a war crime. It is wrong. And no, we will not just sit by and, and stand and stay quiet. No, because by the way, 5,000 needs to be added to the numbers of the many years, 75 years that this has been going on where the Palestinian people have not been free on their own land. And so when you put the, the and that's, and, and, and I, and I'll say, and and because it is not just happening, it has not just happened to Palestinian children, but there's also the uh, uh, Israeli children or the Jewish children that need to be included in that number. That's why we call it for a ceasefire, because we want every single person, everybody to live. And, and, and with that said, I definitely agree with that, man. You know what I what I will say is um, shout out to a lot of people. There are a lot of people. Who've been standing up, man. Shout out to Macklemore. I seen him speaking out. You know, there's a lot of artists. John, like Legend. John Legend. You know, if, if you know names, just saying because it's Kenny Seals. Shout out to my brother, Amanda Seals. Like, shout out to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean, Sean and King. Shout out to Sean King. Sean King is who's been steadfast and just giving you the information. And a lot of those, a lot of those videos and pictures are are brutal and a lot of people are like why would you post that and i'm like why why wouldn't we because what happens is you get complicit with not understanding something and when you don't see certain things and you don't realize the seriousness of what's going on then you you able to just go back because they say ignorance is bliss and and the fact that he he does not allow you to be ignorant right if you follow him you are going to be aware of exactly what's going on every day in that situation and if it doesn't do something to your heart to say, nah, kids are not supposed to be dying like this, you know, then I, I don't know what to tell you. So I just want to I want to salute everyone because I know it's, it's very hard. You know, a lot of people are putting a lot on the line to be able to speak up against, you know, the genocide that's going on inside of Palestine. And a lot of people don't like to hear that word. But to me, that's exactly what it is. And I'm not going to say it isn't because when you when when one one group of people is being targeted and, and taken out in the level that these people are being taken out is genocide. So I, I admire and I respect everyone, you know, who's able to speak up in this moment because it's not, it is not the status quo to no. do, you know? So I want right. to say, I appreciate y'all, man. And we're going to continue to fight, man. Ceasefire, man. Free Palestine, man. You know, I say all the time, if they come for them in the day, then they'll come for us at night, man. So, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it! Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.